Good evening. This is Lama Jigme Gyatso of the Buddha Joy Meditation School. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. Tonight's we are going to tonight's Dharma talk is going to be masks, fashion, resiliency, and then guided meditation. But first, the production of these videos and live casts and podcasts, I'm sorry, live streams and podcasts and blogs and PDFs and class materials is supported by the generosity of students and viewers and listeners and readers just like you. Having said that, let's get right down to it. The other day, as I finished meditation, just before lunch, and I began making my way off, out from under the shade of my neighbor's tree. And I noticed, I guess you would call it a pod, <coughs> of fabulous neighbors and their relatives strolling down the street. Their hair beautifully coffered, their clothes beautiful, and each wearing a mask that was rather lovely and actually matched their outfit. There are some who would say that doing such a thing is petty and superficial and vain, but I disagree. One of the things that makes humans exceptional among the species of this planet is our resiliency. Once we get over the initial outrage and denial of the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, not only are we able to adapt, but we can often do so <laughs> with a sense of humor and whimsical frivolity. Now that we've essentially passed the cloth mask acquisition crisis, and most stores, most department stores carry them, it is delightful to see people having fun and playing with this strange hand of cards that life has dealt us. <coughs> I think that having a sense of humor is one of the keys to enduring <sighs> the outrageous fortune of 2020. So needless to say, there is a great amount of stress and grief occurring this year. So in tonight's meditation, let's explore the duality of grief and happiness and our feelings. As always, if you have any questions, don't be shy. Write them out either on YouTube 
or on Instagram, and I'll do my, do my best <coughs> to answer them in a timely manner, typically in, in a future live stream. So right quick, I'm going to check with our friends on, what's it called? YouTube. Let's see, how are we doing for questions? Any unanswered questions? Well, I don't see any, so let's go back. Let's open tonight's practice text, which reminds me. If you are auditory by nature, and you are listening to my guided meditation, either on Instagram or on the podcast, that's great. However, if you are more visual by nature and you would like to read along with the guided meditation, then I suggest you, if you're on the podcast, you use the link below the podcast to get to the YouTube channel so you can watch the podcast. On the other hand, if you are on Instagram, simply go to my profile, click the link in that profile, find the YouTube icon on the web page, go to my YouTube page, and participate in the live stream there. That way you can read the guided meditations as well as hear them. Having said that, let's jump right in. It's always good to spend 16 breaths or so centering at the subtle energies in our body. <coughs> Here's a great way to do that. We can count upon the creases and tips of our four right fingers. We can move our in-breath I'm sorry, we can move our thumb with every in-breath after we say hi to um, Emily Post. So, we will begin on our right little finger. During the inhalations, we silently and mentally recite grin to nostrils. During the exhalations, we silently and mentally recite relaxing. This is a subtle Mona Lisa grin, not a scary it, the, uh, Pennywise the Clown grin. Relaxing is already hardwired by our central nervous system into every out-breath. So by silently and mentally reciting the word relaxing as we breathe out, we are simply aligning our intention with, for want of a better term, our factory installed programming. Now, Grin to nostrils, relaxing. Follow along with my fingers.
For those of you following along visually on YouTube, I'm now returning to the table of contents. Whoops, that's the wrong button, folks. Let's see. Let's play with our feelings. Let's go to page 67. By the way, the uh, practice text or sadhana that I'm working from is, avail is available for free download as a PDF from the website. On my website, simply go to the classes page, scroll to the bottom, find the bottom, uh, bottom the button that reads downloads, click it, and then find the advanced text. If you are on YouTube, you'll notice that as you scroll down the page, um, well, I take this back. If you're watching a replay of this on YouTube, then um, you'll notice that as you scroll down in the about the video section, you'll find this link. Let's continue. We're going to explore our feelings. Our feelings include our physical sensations and our emotional sensations. There are no good emotions. There are no bad emotions. Yes, some are pleasurable and others are painful. Sometimes in the middle, they're neither. We do not get spiritual brownie points by suppressing some emotions and contriving other emotions. All we get from doing that is neurosis and nobody wants that. Nobody wakes up and says, you know, I have a deficiency of neurosis. I think I'm gonna fuck myself up. Please do not do that at all. <coughs> Please excuse my allergies. All human beings, unless you're dealing with psychopathy or, psychopathy or sociopathy, all healthy human beings draw from the same spectrum of human emotions. What makes us um, wise or foolish is not what we feel, but rather what we do with what we feel. Do we practice the courage to be vulnerable and passive before our emotions, to notice them and to allow them to fuel the engines that drive our compassion and love and the wisdom of letting go. That is exactly what these contemplations and meditations are designed to do. I would love it if I was so brilliant as to make this stuff up. But alas, these are based on the teachings of one much smarter than myself. Either the actual Buddha, known as Gautama, or if he or she was merely an archetype, then, the, then some of the teachings attributed to this individual. Let's dig on in. And I'm going to move my face around the screen to find a bit so that I do not obstruct these words much. Let's see, maybe I could just do. Hmm, do, do, do. Okay, 
There we go. So we're going to begin. Let us imagine a tennis match. You have a tennis court and that, and, and I should back up. The Buddha was the first to teach mindfulness meditation. And since it is always good to have a hook to hang our hats upon, the Buddha taught four hooks or four bases of mindfulness. Circumstance and body and feelings and mind. Today we're focusing on feelings. So feelings could be likened to the tennis court. And just as a tennis court is bisected by a net, and there are at least two opponents on that tennis court on either side of the net, Buddha found it useful to explore our inherent um, aversion and avarice and um, attachment in terms of a dichotomy or a, a duality. The first half of the duality is aversion. We hate feeling grief. We hate feeling sadness. All beings want only to be happy and not to suffer. That is one of the many ways that we share stuff in common. <coughs> so what we're going to do is begin with the initial assumption that none of us wants to feel sadness or grief. And we recognize that the feelings we have towards sadness is aversion. It's a desire to shove it away. Once again, neither good nor bad. So a very spiritual application of this, this shoving energy is not to just to shove away our grief, but to shove away the grief of our neighbors and our, fe our fellow earthlings and all beings of all worlds, real or imagined. And this is one of the many times where it's actually beneficial ha, 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 to be a sci-fi geek. <laughs> so we're going to begin with self-centered compassion on the scale of self. And you might say, won't that make me selfish? And the answer is we already are selfish. Imagine that this fist represents our brainstem and this palm represents our, oh, what's it called? Our midbrain, kind of like the way a mushroom cap rests upon a stem. Our brainstem is already hardwired to look out for numero uno. So we pretend it's not, if we pretend we don't have that tendency, it will bite us in the butt and not in a fun, tingly way. But if we're smart, we will harness the energy and use it to serve our midbrain, to serve our altruism, our compassion, to make the world we live in much larger than this ourselves, to allow the sphere of our sense of self to expand locally and globally and universally. But just as a runner, this is a sprinter, begins by pushing off against his runner's blocks. We're going to begin by using leverage and pushing against our own aversion towards grief. 
Pardon me. We're going to use an, a variation of Bengali crease counting. As we read upon the screen, it reads, touch the tip of the left middle finger to its palm. That's right, just like we're pretending we're Spider-Man. Count four breaths upon the right little finger's lower, middle, and higher sets of creases, as well as its tip. Here's a pro tip, my friends. We do not choose how shallow or deep or slow or fast to breathe. That's pranayama and it belongs to Hinduism. In Buddhism, we recognize that the portion of our brainstem known as the medulla oblongata has been breathing quite effectively since the doctor smacked our ass in the delivery room. Therefore, we let our body choose how slow or fast or shallow or deep our breathing is. All that we do is passively, non-analytically observe when we breathe in and when we breathe out. When we breathe in, we silently and mentally recite these four syllables, soothe, these, feels, grief, and on the out-breath, we silently mentally recite relaxing. Now that's bizarre, is it? Soothe these feels grief. But is, this, is a, this is a concise way of saying soothing our feelings of grief. But in silent meditation, we, with, we wish to use an economy of syllables. So we reduce the word feelings to feels. And we reduce the word sadness to grief. On the in-breath, soothe these feels grief. On the out-breath, relaxing. Now, for those of you watching on YouTube, you're probably noticing me edit right now. That's just part of my charm. So I'm going to hit the word say, uh, the button save as and change this to the 25th. There we go. And I'm going to add an apostrophe after the S so that it makes more sense visually. Ask my older students. They've been watching me edit over the internet for years. Okay. Now that we've performed four repetitions, sorry about that, Mr. Microphone. We're going to now shift to our right ring finger, soothe neighbor's grief, relaxing. But wait, you might say, I am not Merlin Mag the Magician. I am not Gandalf the Grey. How can I be expected to soothe other people's grief? And the answer is, you're not. We're merely exercising our intention which does wonderful things to the neural pathways of our midbrain, replete with anterior gyrate and a constellation of mirror neurons. Soothe neighbor's grief, relaxing.
We turn now to our third set of exercises within the set of compassion. We prepare we, to advance, we, we prepare to count now upon our right middle finger. Soothe earthlings grief, relaxing. Who, who are our neighbors? Any living beings that we could perceive with any one of our five senses. Earthlings, who are earthlings? All the denizens of this planet, whether they walk or crawl or swim or fly. And if we are serious about cultivating compassion and love, then we simply must stop paying other people to exploit and torture and kill other sentient beings, non-human animals, for their meat or organs or uh, fur or hair or milk or eggs. Their bodies belong to them, not to us. And the great irony is that if we choose an intelligently planned whole food vegan diet, we'll have superior health. And if you feel at a loss as how to navigate these new waters, then check out the YouTube channel, Mike the Vegan, M-I-C the Vegan. He has a wealth of useful videos on the subject. So on the in-breath, soothe earthlings grief. On the out-breath, relaxing. We prepare to count upon our right index finger, soothe all beings, grief, relaxing. All beings, real or imagined, on all worlds, within all galaxies, within all universes, soothe all beings, grief, relaxing. We do not have to force ourselves to feel anything. In fact, we can feel as selfish as we want. As, uh, we can just feel selfish if that's what's going on. But if we persist in playing with these words, these words will guide our intention. Our intention will guide our mind. Our mind will guide our energy and our experience of life will shift. Soothe all beings grief, relaxing. That completes our first set of four exercises. That completes our feelings-oriented compassion work. Now it's time for our first experience of feelings-oriented letting go, specifically the marriage of aversion and letting go. Oops, I'm pushing the wrong button hit it when that happens. So we turn our attention briefly to our right, left hand. Haha, <laughs> this is my left hand. We straighten our left middle finger and touch the tip of our left thumb to the, the left middle finger's lower set of creases. 
Ooh, and 3D. So <laughs> on our right hand, we go back to our right little finger. <coughs> Excuse my allergies. So we ask the rhetorical question, how hate grief on the outbreath, relaxing. Remember, the power of a rhetorical question is found not in the folly of trying to answer it, but in the peace of merely reciting it silently and mentally in harmony with the inhalation while relaxing as best we can in harmony with the exhalation. How hate grief? Relaxing. On the prior page, the practice text, we read that we are releasing emotion, emotional grief of the four bases of mindfulness through the lens of the three marks of existence. I've included vocabulary words like using Vedana for feelings or Satipatthana for four bases of mindfulness or uh, Tilakana for three marks of existence. Not to show off because any idiot can learn another language just to show you that I did not make up these techniques. I'm not that smart. I really wish I was. So contemplating the three marks of existence, not as dogma, but as intellectual tools can be liberating. The first lens of three mark, first mark of existence is stress. And if anybody who's ever done a bench press in a gym will tell you that shoving is stressful. So shoving our grief away, or trying to, is a source of stress. Now we turn our attention to the second mark of reality, which is anika or impermanence. One of the cool things is that we do not have to believe nothing. All we need to do is be observant. For when we observe the changing of the seasons, we are noticing the impermanence of year. When we watch the waxing and then the waning of the moon, we are observing the impermanence of a month. When we see the sunrise and then, then later that day see the sunset, we are observing the impermanence of a day. And now, right now, as we gently rest our fingertips upon our upper chest, we feel our lungs, our chest swell. As we feel our lungs and chest sink, we see the impermanence of a breath, of a moment. Perhaps that is why the poet wrote, ever-changing, one and all, there is nothing permanent to grasp. So belief is not required. In fact, belief, and this is controversial, belief just gets in the way. Practice skeptically. Practice experimentally. Practice these techniques, these techniques every morning and every evening 
for six and a half consecutive days and notice if you are not a little bit more peaceful, not a little bit more loving, not a little bit more happier. Okay. How could grief always change? We're counting upon our right ring finger. This brings us to the third mark of reality, which is anatta or not self. Now, this is not dogma to be believed. This is a technique to be played with. When we play with this technique correctly, it loosens our grasp on grief. It helps us it doesn't stop us from experiencing grief, but it helps us to identify with it less. That is profoundly important. The technique is simple. We take a rhetorical question and we divide it in half between the in-breath and the out-breath. The question is, how could grief not be me? So during the in-breath, we silently and mentally recite, how could grief and then during the out-breath, we silently mentally recite, not be me. We do this while counting upon our right middle finger. How could grief not be me? There is a myth that mindfulness meditation means concentrating on the body part. However, concentration will not lead you to liberation. It will lead you to more neurosis. The Buddha did not teach concentration, taught mindfulness, which is acquiescent and soft and merely notices passively and vulnerably what occurs in the present moment. The Buddha taught the four bases of mindfulness. He taught the three marks of reality. He taught the seven enlightenment factors. If your mindfulness teacher does not teach you those things, they may have the best of intentions, but they are not teaching the mindfulness liberation that the Buddha taught. And there's a myth that it takes lifetimes to become a Buddha, but the Buddha taught that once someone has learned these techniques, they can mat once they've learned them. Then they, if they practice them consistently, daily, twice daily, if not four times daily, then one can become a fully accomplished Buddha in seven years, or seven quarters, or seven months, or seven fortnights, or seven weeks, or even, wait for it, seven days. That's how potent this system is. You can learn this system in less than four months, and then you can master it in less than a year, possibly even a week. <coughs> what? What do we mean by mastering this system that the Buddha taught? How will we know when we have mastered the Buddhist system? When we are able to practice it spontaneously and habitually and easily and effectively. For instance, we don't really have to think about walking. 
we can do that automatically. We don't have to think about using the toilet. We do that automatically. Most of us are potty trained. We don't have to think about flossing or brushing our teeth or washing our hands or washing our hair. These things have been mastered. We're able to do them spontaneously and habitually and easily and effectively. We can also do this while riding a bike and sometimes while driving a car, although not always. Hence, the fascination with self-driving cars. Now, now that we've played with the three marks of reality, let us purely, let us invite our mindfulness to notice what grief remains. So we count upon our right index finger. Notice grief, relaxing. And you hold over the course of these four contemplations, we have journeyed from hating grief to merely inertly noticing grief. This is an hors d'oeuvre, a hint at the liberation that we can, that can be ours simply by consistently playing with the techniques that has come, have come to us throughout the millennia from the Buddha. Let us continue. <sighs> Let us return to the idea of the tennis court. The tennis court is named feelings. On the first half of the tennis court are the feelings that we wanna push away. On the opposite side of the tennis court, the feelings that we reach after, like happiness. Reaching for happiness is not wrong. It's something that we are wired to do. The question is not whether we reach for happiness. The question is, what do we do with that impulse? If we use that impulse, that energy, to drive the engine of our love and our wisdom of letting go, that makes us wise. We now advance our, <laughs> we touch the tip of our left thumb to our left index fingers, middle crease. We slide it on up just like that. Now, wait a second. So. We are now wishing that our feelings experience joy. So it is as if we're taking joy and offering it to our own feelings, or at least that is our will, our wish, our intention. And we say it quite cryptically, joy for these feels relaxing. So let's play with this right now. And it is really easier to follow along visually. So if you're watching on Instagram or the podcast, 
use the link either below the podcast or in my uh, profile to get to the website to find the YouTube icon, to get to the YouTube page and follow along with this live stream. You'll be glad you did. Let's go to the second love exercise. We count upon our right ring finger. Joy for neighbors. Relaxing. We prepare to count upon our right middle finger, joy for earthlings, relaxing. And we conclude our love training by counting upon our right index finger, Joy for all beings, relaxing. All right. Now it's time to, just as we first, um, used compassion to soothe grief and then used wisdom to release grief. Now we have just used love to wish joy. Now we're going to use wisdom to do something very scary and that is release joy. And most of us are like, what? Release joy? What have you been drinking? I have a deficiency of joy. I can't let it go. But the irony is the tighter we grasp joy, the more anemic it is. So let us not be like, oh gosh, what's that? Ah, uh, like, let us, <sighs> Minneapolis, let us not be like Minneapolis police resting our knees upon the throat of our own joy. That will not and well at all. Let us experience the courage of letting go and seeing what happens like little scientists playing in the laboratory of our bodies and minds. Touch the tip of your left thumb to your left middle finger's high set of creases. Count the four breaths upon the right little finger. Here we go. How grasp joy, relaxing. And of course, grasping joy <laughs> is not a euphemism for puberty. How could joy always change.
How could joy not be me? Notice joy relaxing. Here is the great irony. These you'll notice these techniques follow a pattern, only changing a noun here or there. The, consequently, they lend themselves to effortless memorization for if you practice these techniques with the free downloaded PDF every morning and every evening for a week or two, you will find that you have accidentally memorized them. And if you practice Reiki or chronic healing or quantum touch or the simply the intuitive desire to gingerly set one's palms upon the body of a loved one who is ill or in pain. While simultaneously practicing these techniques, you'll notice doing so for 30 to 60 minutes a day helps them feel better. What a wonderful gift to give our loved ones, of course, I have no sense of decorum and I've developed a nickname for this, which is ha 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 spooky voodoo Buddhist shit. <laughs> now that we've dealt with both sides of the tennis court of our feelings, let's deal with the entirety of the tennis court, our feelings themselves. So we advance our left thumb upon our left middle finger until it comes to its tip. And we begin again on our right finger. How grasp feels relaxing. How could feels always change? How could feels not be me? Notice feels relaxing. We have performed 16 different contemplations. Our brain may be a trifle fatigued. Let's give it a rest right now. 
let us slide the tip of our left thumb over our the tip of our left little finger and allow the tip of our thumb to come to rest upon the third knuckle of our middle finger, not the crease, the knuckle, not the crease, the knuckle. Notice this relaxing. We are passively and vulnerably noticing whatever clowns of perception, whatever sensations or flavors or scents or sounds or sights or emotions or intentions or thoughts or memories or imaginings cartwheel across the stage of our mind. Notice this relaxing. <coughs> Notice this Relaxing. Notice this relaxing. Notice this relaxing. Being a professional meditation teacher, folks just can't wait to come up to me and tell me how great they are at meditation and how they do not require my assistance. One of the ways they vaingloriously attempt to convince me of this is by telling me, oh, how deep their meditations have been. But this is a myth. There's something in Buddhism called the four or the eight jhanas or levels. On the path of toxic masculinity, people, people try to force themselves to experience these these levels. And although they may, might experience an analog of them, it does not transform them. It does not liberate them. Upon the path of healing femininity, the path of yin, the path of dhamma, or dharma, if you prefer Sanskrit, we do not chase after these experiences. For by merely playing with the exercises we played with today. And we played with approximately 20 exercises today. If we played with one set of 20 exercises or two sets or three sets and four sets for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 60 minutes, once a day or twice a day or three times a day or four times a day, twice a day is fine. We will experience all the cool bliss and joy and oneness and stuff mentioned in the arcane scriptures without chasing them. Our job is not to chase experiences. 
Our job is to notice and love and let go in a way that helps us to become the healthy, well-adjusted adults that we were born to be. My friends, that concludes this Dharma talk and guided meditation. I would remind you that the production of these videos and live casts, whoopsie, and live streams and podcasts and blogs and PDFs and class materials is supported by the generosity of students and viewers and listeners and readers just like you. Or if you're as nerdy as myself, I'll simply quote Jasker from the first season of Witcher and remind you to toss a coin to your Witcher Valley of Plenty. May you and yours be healthy and happy. Bye-bye now.